and I don't know. It's like putting it in. Are you stuck up, half-witted, scruffy-looking nerf herder? It is midnight in Cozy Corner and in the galaxy far, far away. Pour yourself a cup of Jawa juice, put your feet up and get ready to howl at the twin sons of Tatooine. It is time for the late night fright right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. Tonight, we're talking about the Mandalorian. It is time for the Late Night Fright with Dan and Faith right here on WKMF Cozic on our public radio. I'm done with that Star Wars crap and I'm done with you. Damn, Harrison. Damn, Harrison, indeed. Faith, he's done with that Star Wars crap. I hear that. And he's done with you. Welcome all of you nerf herders and womp rats to the late night fright. I am Dan and with me as always is my co-pilot, my very baby yo-yo co-host Faith. Say hi, Faith. Hi, Faith. Faith, you look like the force is with you today. <laughs> it is. Do you feel like the force is with you? I think it is. She, uh, you should see her. She's like, uh, she's levitating rocks in here, coffee cups. It's, mm-hmm. it's kind of amazing. Faith, you're very talented. Very special that way. Yeah. Oh, you're special. All right. <laughs> Faith, what are we talking about today? The Mandalorian. The Mandalorian? You mean that Star Wars crap? Yes. <laughs> Thought we were done with that Star Wars crap. Oh. All right. Here we go. Sanctuary, the fourth episode of the new Disney Plus series, The Mandalorian, from creator, writer, executive producer, showrunner John Favreau, premiered on November 29th, 2019. Faith, that's a lot of... Uh, you know, uh, slashes there for John Favreau, creator, writer, executive producer, showrunner, and one hell of a model American. Uh, this episode was written by Favreau and directed by Bryce Dallas Howard, daughter of Academy Award winning actor director Little Opie Cunningham. You know, Little Opie Cunningham, don't you? I sure do. <laughs> Better known as uh, Ron Howard in, in some circles. <laughs> Uh, let's see. This stars Pedro Pascal as the titular Mandalorian. I like saying titular. Gina Carano as former rebel shock trooper Cara Dune and Julia Jones as Omera, a widow farmer who lives on the planet Sorgon. And Julia Jones is most famous for being in the Twilight movies. But we don't hold that against her. I remember. I think I remember. She's a werewolf. Yeah. yeah, she's got like a scar or something on her, yeah, on her face. Yeah, I remember that. Okay. Because the boyfriend turned her into yeah. a werewolf or something. <laughs> something like that. Something like that. <laughs> I cannot quote freely from the Twilight films. Sure you can. Okay, that's you your got favorite, me. That's your favorite franchise. Come on. I watch it every weekend. <laughs> <laughs> We're not crapping on Twilight. Maybe Kristen Stewart. I don't know. <laughs> All right, before we get into trouble, let's get on with it. Here we go with a brief synopsis of the episode brought to us by the good people at Wikipedia. Wikipedia, it's not lazy. What is it, Faith? It's efficient. It is indeed. And a little lazy, probably. And a little lazy, yes. (laughs) Cue the music. Here with a synopsis is special guest Harrison Ford. All right. Arriving on a uh, sparsely populated planet, the... uh, Mandalorian encounters former rebel shock trooper turned mercenary Cara Dune in hiding after taking an early retirement. They fight and she asks him to leave the planet while 
preparing a ship, two desperate village fishermen approached to uh, hire him to drive off some Clatoonian raiders, whatever those are. He, uh, he accepts in exchange for lodging, using their credits to enlist Dune's help. At the village, Omera, widowed mother houses him. The Mandalorian confides in her that no one has seen him without his helmet since childhood when the tribe took him in as an orphan. Despite discovering that the raiders have an Imperial ATST and I hate those things, the villagers refuse to leave, so the Mandalorian and Dune train them to defend themselves. At night they provoke the raiders, leading the ATST to a trap set at the village, but it stops short while the raiders attack. Dune lures the ATST into the trap where the Mandalorian blows it up. The remaining raiders flee with peace return the child plays happily with the village children and the Mandalorian plans to leave him there and fortunately a uh, guild bounty hunter has tracked the child but is killed by Dune. Realizing the village won't be safe the Mandalorian departs with the child. Very good. Thank you Harrison. Whatever. That was very special, wasn't it, Faith? Very special. I love Thank that. Thank you, indeed, Harrison. Even though I thought you were done with that Star Wars crap. So, Faith, episode three, The Sin. That was uh, last week's episode. It felt a lot like Western, which makes a lot of sense since George Lucas was heavily influenced by directors such as John Ford and Sergio Leone, who two undisputed masters of the Western genre, and Boba Fett. The original Mandalorian was modeled heavily on Clint Eastwood's Man With No Name and Leone's Dollars trilogy. This one... Kind of feels like an Eastern, and this also makes a lot of sense since George was also influenced by the genius Japanese director Akira Kurosawa, who gave the world such films as Rashomon, Yojimbo, and The Seven Samurai. The Seven Samurai plays heavily into the plot of Sanctuary, and see if this sounds familiar, Faith. A village hires some Ronin warriors to protect them from bandits who are out for their crops. Does that sound a little bit familiar? Just a little bit, yeah. A little bit. (laughs) So Favreau seems to get it, and he seems to get both the eastern and western sides of Star Wars. What do you think of his sanctuary? I think this episode, just like them all, is so good. I like the, the kind of different vibe that we had going on here. Kind of more character focused than you know, too much action and, you know, lots of um, kind of backstory and stuff, kind of learning a little more about who the Mandalorian, you know, is, stuff like that. I liked it. You are completely right. And I echo all of those sentiments. Uh, this feels like a very nice, long, deep breath after the events of the last movie. We get a new planet in the Star Wars galaxy. Uh, we also get the introduction of a new character in the guise of Cara Dune. We also, and you said this, we get to kind of hang out. We get to hang out with the Mando and baby Yo-Yo. And then we seem to finally be settling in on the direction for the show. And we might even be able to start making a more educated guess at to where this is going. A couple other things I like. I like that it borrows so heavily from the Seven Samurai, but it doesn't feel like outright theft. I knew the entire time when this was going on, I'm going, this is Seven (laughs) Samurai. And I was more than okay with it. And uh, to keep sounding like a broken record, because we seem to be doing this week after week, this feels like Star Wars. <laughs> it really does. Doesn't this feel like Star Wars? A lot, yes. So let's get into the episode. What did you think of the story here, specifically specifically the way it feels like a pullback from the previous three episodes? And does this feel 
a little more personal and you kind of were alluding to that in, in, in your introductory remarks. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty much what I said. I feel like it's definitely more personal. We're, we're getting to learn who these characters are. We're meeting more characters, but I feel like it kind of slowed down and you kind of just, like you said, hang out with these people and it's not just, you know, chaos everywhere. It's, it, it was really nice to feel like there was a story kind of yeah. moving forward. You know? Yeah, it wasn't one big action set piece after right. another. In fact, there really was kind of only one mm-hmm. action piece in this. And I think anytime you can take characters and spend time with them and just kind of chill out, and we've talked about this on the show before, one of my mother's favorite movies is John Ford's classic, uh, Rio Bra- it's Howard Hawks, I'm sorry, Howard Hawks' Rio Bravo with John Wayne and Dean Martin, where you get to just spend time with the characters. Quentin Tarantino, we've talked about him on this show before, mm-hmm. is a master at just hanging out with characters. Because right. I think the more you get to do that, the better off you are in establishing the, you know, the the bond right. with them. Not only among themselves, but the audience bond with them. So that was real welcome. I liked that they took a step back. And, and I did find the story engaging. So it's not like... We're just watching them, you know, right. you know, him teaching baby yo-yo how to play tic-tac-toe or something. I mean, I'd watch that all day. <laughs> I would, too. <laughs> um, I would, too. But, uh, yeah, so I like that aspect. I like that not only do you spend time with him and with uh, the child, but mm-hmm. you also spend time with the villagers. And right. you come to care a little bit about these people because it's their predicament and ultimately their story. And I like that the plot was not hinging on the battle of good versus evil, which Star Wars so often it hinges on that big battle mm-hmm. of good versus evil. This was very simple in terms of we're going to protect the village and we're going to find safe haven. He's trying to find a place to lay low for, what did he say, a couple of months at the beginning? Mm-hmm. Something like so, that. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, the two guys who make contact with the Mando very much remind me of there's two characters in Kurosawa's Hidden Fortress. They're peasants. They're they're a lowly class. And they... Uh, they heavily influenced the characters of R2 and 3PO in the original Star Wars. So nice callbacks mm-hmm. to George, nice callbacks to the influences on George. It does this without being pompous. It's very, uh, this this show just seems to understand Star Wars and understands what makes Star Wars, exactly. what, what went into the blender that made Star <laughs> Wars. And uh, very good. Yeah. It's very good. So in the Seven Samurai, there's seven Ronin. We don't have seven Ronin like we do in that movie. We have two or two and a half if you count Baby Yo-Yo. <laughs> the second Ronin is former Rebel Shock Trooper Cara Dune, played by former MMA fighter Gina Carano. Gina Joy Carano is a native of Dallas, Texas. She was born on April 16th, 1982. She is 37 years old. From 2006 through 2009, she was an MMA fighter and very successful. She has transitioned into films, and her notable appearances are in Steven Soderbergh's 2011 film Haywire, 2013's Fast and Furious 6, and 2016's very big hit film Deadpool. What did you think of Gina Carano and of her character Cara Dune? I think she was incredible. You had said that... uh you were kind of worried about her. This is the one I was most worried about. And I was too, kind of going back to what I said last week about the whole manly Star Wars vibe. But man, she's awesome. <laughs> she can, she, I mean, she can, what's what I'm looking for? She, she holds her own. There you go. That's she what really I'm trying to say. She really holds her own, yeah. <laughs> uh, we've said it on this show before. I don't want to get too far into it here. But identity politics have found their way into the Disney Star Wars films. 
If you need more information on that, there are several great YouTube videos out there. It's there. You don't have to look for it. And I'm not, you know, if you're in identity politics, wonderful. That's, you know, I just, for my money, and this is my own personal opinion, I don't think you can tell stories through politics. I don't think you can tell stories through checking off boxes. I don't think you can, you can put um, checklist on storytelling. This is not just me saying this. The Cohen brothers have said this. Right. Okay. So this is coming from people who are way better. Okay. Than me. Um, they, they, kind of, they came out pretty hard against it. Again, if that's your thing, more power to you, but I don't feel that it makes for strong storytelling. I think that the movies we've been getting in the past five years, not just in star Wars, but, um, other franchises and their box office revenues have told the tale. People yep. don't respond to it. You yep. can't tell a good story. So I was worried about it, that they were going to go this weird, you know, politics route with mm-hmm. her. And, it was really refreshing because we have a legit strong female character who can actually kick ass. Right. And that's the thing. You look at her and you go, man, Gina, you know, she's built. She's yeah. not a real thin woman. And right. that's been my problem. I think I said this last week or the week before with, with these women fighting men in some of these things. Can can women beat men? Yeah, absolutely. Right. But when you're 90 pounds soaking wet and you got a 250 pound man, I'm sorry, the weight advantage is in is in the corner of the man. Uh, Gina Carano is built. You know, she's a beefy woman. And when they fight in this, it feels like she can hold her own. Exactly. I mean, there's no it feels like a good, you know, a perfect match for them. Yeah, it really does. Yeah. And I think she brings like a real presence and weight and Mm -hmm. not what I was talking about with her being, you know, so so built, you know. She's got a certain kind of thing, you know? Well, like you had said last week, I think, you know, most of these uh, females, they're all very feminine, you know, throughout the series. Yeah. I think, I mean, I think she is feminine, obviously, but she's not that overly, you know, feminine character. I think she's just a good character, regardless. She's a man or a woman. Regardless. Thank you, Faith. (laughs) It, um... They did not write her, I think, as a dude. Right. They wrote her as a woman who just happens to kick exceptional amounts of ass. Exactly. I mean, and she looks lived in, too. That's the yeah. thing. She looks like she's got some life experience behind her. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I and this is a, another note I have. And I think this is I think this is pretty high praise. Like, I like the mystery of her. I want to see more of her. Yeah. I want to know more about Cara Dune. I want to see her more in this show and i want to note too i really like her little rebel alliance tattoo that she has yes. uh on her face her left cheek i think her left cheek yeah which i think is a a really nice touch and uh i like the little disillusionment she has you know yeah. and again we've been talking about the politics on the show you know the they said the new republic is a joke you know and right. so she's walked away from that you know she was all down with the rebellion but She's trying to find her place, too. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, they do. They seem like a good fit. And I like the fact that they don't go romantic with yes. them, which yeah. I thought was really, really good. Yeah, I agree. So, well, Kara doesn't go off on the adventure with Amando and baby Yo-Yo at the end of the episode. And we've uh, seen now that the series will introduce characters and then discard them. Uh, we both have a feeling that Kara Dune is going to be back in the future. How do you feel about the way we're meeting them and then kind of saying goodbye to them? Sometimes, like her, we're guessing at least. You know, I mean, I hopefully they'll come back because I'm really liking these characters. And then it's like, okay, bye. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. Yeah. 
Leaves you wanting a little more from him, you know. Yeah, I like that we don't have Nick Nolte, you know, because as much as we love Nick Nolte in the first two episodes, we haven't seen him in the previous mm-hmm. in, in these last two episodes that we've been talking about. And, you know, I think it I think it frees up space to keep it firmly on the Mandalorian. Right. You know, and, and baby yo yo and uh and then she comes in, you know, mm-hmm. I think it would have been too much if Nick Nolte had been there. I think it's neat. Yeah. You know. That they're kind of coming and going. I think Coral Weathers' character, uh, what's his name, Grief, you know, he was kind of popping in and out. I think that's going to kind of be what they do. But as far as that, you know, I mean, they're so interesting when they're there. And then when they're not there, you're kind of hoping to see them again. Yeah. <laughs> but you're keeping the the focus solely on, you know, the two characters that mm-hmm. we, we need to be, you know, caring about and following. Right. So. I don't, I don't have a problem with it, you know, and that's an episodic television thing these days. It's not like you have a, you know, a full cast that's in every episode, you know, these True. recurring characters, uh, you know, that, that, no, I think it's, I think they're handling it as well as they can. So, mm-hmm. well, Cara Dune is not a love interest for the Mon- Mando, but we do find uh, we have one in the form of Julia Jones' character, Omera. She's a widow that lives in the village. Uh, what did you think of the relationship between Omera and the Mando? And do you think he wanted to stay at the end of this episode after the uh, after the fight with the uh, Clatoonians and what a few weeks had passed? Uh, I, I I loved her and I loved their little relationship they had going on. I think it kind of uh, possibly opened him up more a little. You know, you kind of I feel like we got a little more from him yeah. through her. I don't know. I think he probably wanted to stay. Did it feel romantic to you? In a way. But it, it it didn't feel heavy handed, right? You know, um, yeah, it wasn't overly done. Where you know you think you're watching something sappy now, you know. <laughs> yeah, I think he wanted to stay. I think so. I think he did, and I think he knew that that would have been a nice place to stay mm-hmm. because he he wanted to leave, you know, right. the child there, but he yeah. had to go off and and you know take care of some business. Um, I, I, I don't want to say that he feels like someone who wants to settle down, but he didn't seem opposed to it. Right. <laughs> no, you he know. didn't. So, uh, and what do we know about him so far? He's not Mandalorian by birth. At least, did you catch that, that he's that he was adopted? He's, yes. Okay. He's not Mandalorian by right. birth. His parents are dead. He does not take his helmet off in front of anyone. Does it seem like we're building towards some kind of reveal with him and, and not just with the helmet you know with the face do you feel like we're building towards something with him i think so yeah i think the more it goes on i think he still has those mysterious qualities to him but i think there's going to be something that we're going to i feel like learn about him that's kind of maybe not major to the story or anything but i think there's going to be something yeah i I think i think this is someone kind of claiming their individuality yeah you know maybe not being so much a part of that group, maybe going on his own way, you know, because he keeps saying, you know, he says, you know, this is the way, you know, in relation to the Mandalorian philosophy. And mm-hmm. uh, I feel like he might be going off on his own way a little bit, possibly. I can see that. Um, but we keep, uh, you know, you and I keep saying he's the hero. I think he's left anti-hero territory a long time ago. I think him being willing to leave the child there, mm-hmm. he's a hero. Right. He's He's a hero. Um, so let's, let's talk about this because the last few weeks we keep saying, well, what's this about? Where is this going? I think we might have an idea now of where it's going. So let me, let me, uh, throw this out here. This is an escape piece. So the big kind of overrunning plot is going to be like the fugitive. He's, Mm -hmm. they're going to be on the run. They're looking for safe haven. 
But the themes are going to be played out through a father-son story. And that's something that Star Wars, again, John Favreau, he knows. Yeah. You know, this is something that Star Wars is really, really well known for. I think this is what we're kind of building toward, what this is really going to be about. So it's going to be about them staying one step ahead of the bounty hunters, one step ahead of uh, uh, his name, Werner Herzog's imperial mm-hmm. uh, client. Uh, we don't have a name on him yet. Staying one step ahead of them. I think the reveal we're going to get is why he's doing this. Now, we know that the little child is very cute and has struck something, but why is he doing this? Right. What, what is what is stirred in him? But that's what I think this is going to do, what we're building towards with this. And did you notice when they referred to uh, baby Yo-Yo as his son in the village? He yes. did not yes, tell them no. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm not saying he's ready to go all in full on being daddy. But he didn't, you know, discount that that's his that's his son. Yeah. You know, yeah. there's there's a bond between them. It's I know it's it's really lovely to watch, too. I love the little moment. Uh, you know, you stay here and then the, the door opens and he's, he's right there waiting for him. I know. And I really love that you see the series through his eyes, that, that how much you get to see the, the series through the little baby Yoda's mm-hmm. eyes. You yeah, know, it's 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 really it's really lovely. Uh, one thing we haven't talked about, and, and we should have talked about this earlier, but it's kind of good that we we waited. We haven't talked about the score. And yeah. some of the criticisms that have been landing on the show, people who absolutely love the show, uh, they haven't been enamored with the music. Now, the score is by mm. Academy Award winner Ludwig Gorenson. I probably mispronounced that. He's an Academy Award winner for Black Panther. Uh, he also scored Creed and Creed Two and Faith, you and I were both huge oh, yeah. fans of Creed and Creed 2 because he captured that Bill Connie thing yeah. while his music sounds like Connie, but it's not. It does its own yeah. thing. And I thought he did a really, really great job with with uh, with both of those. And th- that's a hard act to follow. You don't <laughs> you don't want to follow Bill Connie. You know, here's no. another hard act to follow. You don't want to follow John Williams. What do you think of the score here? I actually really like it. There's something special about it i don't know it's a lot of fun i think it's pretty in moments it reminds me of a western and it's got that action kind of sound yeah. to it i like it a lot see i haven't had any problems with it because it me feels neither. at time that it harkens back to ennio morricone's uh sergio leone movies you know mm-hmm. if you listen to that theme but kind of got a little temple of doom in there from john williams but but then the second half of the theme, you know, builds into a, a John Williams yeah. kind of heroic sounding theme. And we were listening to a lot of Ennio Morricone on the way over because we were talking about him and this music. And uh, I feel like he really nails the Western side of this. I think so, too. But I feel like there's enough of the uh, I think it's I think it's a flute that he's using. Uh, there is a Japanese flute he could be using. I'm not sure. And I cannot remember the name of the flute, but uh He's using enough of those little weird tonalities where it does sound kind of Eastern in some mm-hmm. in some points. You know, it's right. kind of got a little mysticism, mystical, weird, uh, you know, mysterious quality yeah. to it. Uh, very spiritual, too. Mm-hmm. So uh, I like what he's doing. And I do, too. I actually kind of like that it's not, you know, the big uh, London Symphony John Williams score. It's a little more pared down. Yeah. And the show's pared down. Yeah. So. I have no problem with it. I think it's really nice. Yes. So before we wrap it up, my big question moving forward is how is Carl Weathers going to figure into this? Because that's my question. Is Grief Karga going to be friend or foe? Hmm. I really don't know. 
And uh, Do you know? I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I have a feeling we will see Nick Nolte again. I would not be surprised if he leaves the child with Nick Nolte yeah. at some point. Uh, could, can you see that coming? I could see that, yeah. I'm going to venture a big guess here. I'm taking a big swing. Okay. Big swing. I think we're going to see a legacy character. Okay. This came to me yesterday. I have a feeling, and it's nothing more than a feeling. I have no <laughs> you know, textual evidence right? here. I have a feeling we might see some version of Luke Skywalker. Okay. Because even though he doesn't believe in the New Republic, he might want to get this kid to the Jedi Order. Because that might be where he's the safest. Yeah. And I think we're going to see Luke Skywalker. That's pretty interesting. I like that. Now I want to see that. <laughs> I have no I've not heard anyone speak of this. So this isn't like I'm reading this rumor. Right. Like, I think we're going to see Luke Skywalker. That'd be cool. Or possibly Princess Leia. That'd be cool. But I think it's going to be Luke. I think he's going to decide to deliver the uh, the child to the Jedi Order. Yeah, I can which see that. Would, we're not going to see some no-name character. I think we're going <laughs> to see Luke Skywalker. I really do. I'm holding out. Okay. Let's, <laughs> now, yeah. now I'm like, okay. I'm, I'm so ready to find that out. That <laughs> is if he gets the child safe in this right. in this you know season. Yeah. If it's if you know, if it's ongoing, then maybe at a later date. But yeah. Uh, I think with the way that the character, so many people had problems with the way he was handled in The Last Jedi, I think this is going to be the olive branch where yeah. you can get to see him as a fully fledged Jedi master. I like that. So, again, I have no evidence. I could be completely <laughs> wrong on this, but I think you're going to see some kind of legacy character here. It's a good guess. I, I, I'll buy it. So, and he would make the most sense. Yeah, he He, he makes the most sense. So, I don't know. It's exciting though. I'm um, I'm legitimately excited to watch this show. I am too. And I have I, fun watching the show. I look forward to it, and then as I'm watching it, I don't want them to end. I keep saying that they're just they're so good. We talked about Deborah Chow last week. I can't believe we we need to talk about this before we uh, before we sign off. Deborah Chow, first female mm-hmm. uh, director of any kind of live action Star Wars. We both agreed she did a great job. Yeah. I believe I read she is going to have control of the Kenobi show. Oh, okay. So, which makes me feel very good yeah. about what they can do with that. Bryce Dallas Howard becomes the second woman to direct live action Star Wars. She, of course, is the daughter of Little Opie Cunningham, Ron Howard. Uh, Ron's great. I know you, you're a fan of Ron, aren't you? I am. I am too. I thought she did a great job. I think she did too. I was, I mean, I was kind of shocked when you had told me that she was the director. I think she did really good. Really, really this, good. This felt. This felt kind of right up her alley, this kind of personal, you know, this is mm-hmm. a real personal uh, story. It's a, yeah. as we said, a nice deep breath. It's It, it mm-hmm. feels gritty, but fun and uh, very warm yeah. in places, too. I think yeah. uh, I think she did a wonderful job. I think so, too. Really good job. So my only nitpick with this episode is their plan to bring down the ATST. I thought they should have covered that ditch. That's the only thing, <laughs> you know, that water, because they saw that it was the water. But uh, yeah. That's, that's a neat pick. <laughs> they may do with what they had. They may do with what they had. I'll tell you a terrifying thought I had, though, when I was watching this was the fact that the Imperials left all that uh, equipment out, you know, mm-hmm. in the galaxy. And these people can use it, you know, which yeah. I thought was kind of fascinating in a real world sense. You know, I mean, who knows what kind yeah. of uh, Soviet technology was left in Afghanistan, you know, and, and, and is being true. used now, you know. Very true. But um, and they didn't make a big deal about that. But it's it was part of it. I thought it was right. uh, I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah. You know, it's kind of a kind of an eerie thought, though, isn't it? I know. <laughs> Very much so. Do you have anything else you would like to add about episode four, The Sanctuary? I think that's it. What about you? That's all I've got. This is wonderful. Um, 
I hope all of you out there are enjoying this. And, and if you're listening to this and haven't watched it yet, you know, I don't know why you're doing that, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, definitely oh, yeah. check the show out. It's, it's really, really great. And, uh, they're, they're doing a great job with it. I, I I'm not excited about rise of Skywalker. This doesn't have me excited about that one bit, but I'm excited about this and the future of, uh, you know, these Disney live yeah. action, especially if Favreau has a hand in them. So bring on the Obi-Wan Kenobi show. I've been waiting, been waiting 15 years for this. <laughs> You're ready. <laughs> I'm ready. So should we tell them to keep their Wookiee on a leash? Yes. I think, I think we should. I am Dan. And I am Faith. And we want you to keep, keep your, your Wookiee, Wookiee on, on a leash. leash. Aunt Carrie, take us home. And in conclusion, Your Honor, I hope I slept with you to get the job. Because if not, who the hell was that guy? This is a coyote on behalf of the cast and crew of the Late Night Fright with Dan and Faith right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. We want to sincerely thank you for tuning in, and we want to remind you to tune in each and every week as we break down a new episode of The Mandalorian. May you stay one step in front of the Empire, and may the Force be with you. We'll see you further down the trail.